Hey everybody, this is Mr. Todd. This is Stories and Solutions. I have a special co-host here. You guys know him as Super Malaman. He's a uh, botanist and he's going to educate us on astrobotany, correct? And, sure. and uh, orbital gardening, which was something that I looked up and I would you call it a thesis? Yeah, I'd say that. Yes. Yeah. I read up on the thesis, and um, so I think that you'll explain it better than what I can. Okay, so I have uh, my guest here, Malaman, and he's going to talk to us about orbital gardening, and take it away. I did that. So thanks for having me on the show again. You know, the last episode was was great. We uh, we talked for a long time, you know, two to yeah. three hours before we even actually got to recording. <laughs> so we made sure That's to hit true. record at the start this time. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I studied botany at the University of Hawaii, uh, just an undergrad, still plotting on getting those uh, higher level degrees. But uh, I've always been uh, heavy into writing and uh, exploring kind of the fringe of whatever field that I'm working in, whether it's music or uh, chemistry, science, whatever. And uh, as a botanist, as someone who I actually got to to do some work in the field. I had a lot of hands-on experience working in, in plant nurseries, at, at farms. At uh, I ended up as the gardener up at the Punchbowl Cemetery for a little while. And I was a biologist for a little bit um, doing uh, field surveys and stuff like that for uh, Stantec. And through what, all of that- If, if what's uh, Stantec? Oh, it's a, it's a biological review company. They, they do a lot of stuff for uh, uh, construction companies and stuff like that. They go out there and make sure that the environment is okay for uh, uh, people to go in and actually do manual labor in those areas. Because especially in places like California, they have lots of regulations, lots of protected species. So uh, my job was to basically look at an area and say, okay, um, it's okay for plants or, or the, the, there are no protected species in this area and to kind of sign them off oh, okay. so that they could do uh, maintenance and repairs and stuff. Only there for a little while, but uh, it definitely gave me a big, uh, an experience that, that has impacted my, my view of things. And uh, one idea, even when I was still in school, that, that kind of uh, I, I was fascinated by was this idea of astrobotany, of uh, not just growing plants here on earth, you know, we, we pretty much mastered that, right? Like we're an agricultural uh, society. And I think that the next step, you know, they talk a lot about uh, traveling to Mars uh, being the goal of humanity, right? Just being able to spread out outside of our planet. And I think that's, that's very ambitious. It's a very ambitious goal. Um, and I think there are more um, close to home um, things that we should be focusing on, things that we could probably pull off. I agree with you. And so in order to do that, you know, uh, I'm trying to push the envelope towards uh, what I call, you know, orbital gardening, right? Because astrobotany itself is already being practiced. Uh, NASA has already uh, grown some uh, microgreens. They tried to grow uh, another species a little while ago before that um, in, on the actual uh, spacecraft, International Space Station. They're doing mm. botany experiments up there, which is uh, what I was trying to shift my studies towards to near the end of my, my, uh, my schooling. There's such little infrastructure um, being on a, a spacecraft, there's so little space, there's so little weight um, that you can add on to the, the, the spacecraft. Um, it's incredibly important for these processes to be very efficient. 
um, very refined, basically, before we can actually start to do it. Um, the way water works in, in microgravity, uh, basically outside of you know the Earth's influence, is not the same as it is on Earth. And a lot of plants rely on the actual uh, gravity to pull the water through the system that they have. Um, so this is a huge problem for a lot of plants, like growing like larger plants, like trees or something like that in space. Um, so I guess my main focus is, um, of course, to get the idea out there, right, to, to push the, the theoretical envelope. I do believe that theory is an important driver of actual science. Like if you look into the history of, of major scientific inventions, especially since the age of media, it's been largely driven. You ask those guys, what made you want to study, you know, this, what particle physics and they'll say i watched star trek as a kid oh okay you no know? yeah yeah I so yeah it's as important to put these ideas out into the lexicon even for non-professionals even for people who aren't actually working on the fringes but to get people talking about it and get people thinking about it because that eventually again ends up in the in the uh what do i call it like the psychic substrate that we pull ideas from and then people are going to grow up and say yeah, this is a normal idea you know, I want to study this. This is what I want. Because when I tried to study astrobotany in school, um, they were basically like, you have to pretty much create your own academic program um, from scratch. And I was talking with, with physics, uh, physicists. I was talking with, um, they had a uh, extraterrestrial tools uh, laboratory that I was, I was talking to the professor there, trying to get all these different pieces. Um, I was talking to soil scientists because they had, a, um, they had one class a couple of years ago where they were trying to grow um, plants in imitation Martian soil. Um, mm. So in order to do all that, like uh, you have to get, you have to show the people that there's an interest, right? For there to be classes on it, for there to be actual degree programs about it. And I think the only way to do that is to basically make it a realistic thing. You know, the, the dream of going to Mars is there, but um, we're already growing plants up in orbit. Um, right. If we can make, that our focus, growing plants, turning our, our, the area around our planet into a, a botanical garden, you know, uh, an actual experimental laboratory where we're growing plants. I think that will be one of the next steps, one of the next great steps in um, human ability, human um, showing that we are capable of basically transforming our situation again. You know, the agriculture itself tr completely transformed uh, our, our species, you know, depending on who you ask, of course, but um, things went from uh, us being in bands roving around the planet to the eventual super states that we have today, all because of agriculture. And I think that the next step in agriculture um, would be, of course, you know, fixing the things that we have now, you know, that's kind of a given, right? Um, uh, monocrop systems are obviously not built to last. Growing one plant and, and massive areas, right? That depletes the soil and causes lots of damage. Those, all those that's problems. A, that's a GMO, right? Right, right. GMOs are a huge problem as well. Um, depending on uh, the context, uh, the, the, the main problem, even with wh whether it's genetically engineered or not, is when you create a massive population of, and you remove the diversity from the system, you create a vulnerable system because all it, all it'll take now is one super virus, one super mold, one super fungus to come in and it'll wipe out our entire food system, right? Because we'll become over-reliant on one heavily engineered 
um, species that can no longer really maintain itself. Um, and that's the, the issue is uh, the vulnerability of our systems, right? Um, we talk about global warming and, and how everything is eventually going to collapse and completely change because of because of the heat, you know, the, the, the planet completely changing the, the climate, the pole switching, all of these, these things that are supposed to completely destroy us. And um, in my mind, I think that one, it'll never be the end of the world completely, but there are ways that we can mitigate, right? That's, we can create systems on systems on systems. We can create a system that's so complex, so robust that if a hundred different elements of it collapse, we still have so much to rely on. And I think that uh, orbital gardening is kind of like, a, it's still a little fantastic uh, of an idea uh, down the road, but I think it's setting the tone for the kind of thinking that we want to have to make our system complex and robust in that way, you know? No, I have a question for you. So the same way we have GMO, I think it's a horrible thing, I think, mm -hmm. um, but I also think that they do it because um, end result that they do want to create famine because mm -hmm. when it really comes down to it, this is about profit mm -hmm. and profit is based off of control. And that control mm -hmm. factor is going to be um, limiting what you have mm -hmm. because you're going to control people that way. So to me, if you say, okay, one and done, oh, like right now, oh, we have a shortage. Mm -hmm. um, we really don't. They created the shortage. It's artificial. So, right. So you're now screwing up uh, nature and nature will eventually overrun you mm -hmm. because 100%. it'll 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 starve you out and start itself over again. I'm interested in what you're saying, because I feel like we as a culture, even with the microwave, we want now, now, now. And there's no connection to to nature I don't want to say God because everybody has their own, but there's really no connection to nature mm -hmm. to say, you know, if we all are greedy and we're sitting here being gluttons and just, you know, having food and throwing it away and all the businesses that have food and then we throw it away, even though most of that food isn't real, but still you could give it to homeless people. Yeah. They're more worried about a lawsuit from the homeless person and let them starve than to say, mm -hmm. Well, this food ain't even really that nutritious anyways. Yeah. Give it away, right? And and then I look up like how like once we started talking about the show, I looked up how many, I think it was like 30 million uh, birds that they mm -hmm. killed. And it was based off of, it was like suspected mm -hmm. bird, bird flu. It wasn't confirmed. Mm -hmm. So, it so suspected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're creating this whole uh, famine to me. And then the same with the with the cows. They kill all these cows, but they're never going to say to you, well, you know what? Cows, their milk is like no different than your mom's boob giving you milk. Well, mm -hmm. the enzyme is for you. The cow enzyme is for the cow, not for, mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. And But they created that for us to have. And then later on in life, our bodies break down. Because we become lactose intolerant. Well, we're probably already lactose intolerant because it's not what wasn't made for us. Mm -hmm. the, the hormones 100%. and what have you, right? So I'm I'm saying all this because I feel like our education is this regurgitated circle mm -hmm. of keep your mind in this box and 
like how you said, you would need a whole new schooling uh, chapter, maybe not a school, but just a chapter of school, a specialty to be able to teach what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Most so, deaf, most deaf. I think, uh, well, first thing I'd like to say is usually when somebody is calling you crazy and you know you're not crazy, that's kind of when you know you're on the right path, right? You're stepping yeah. in a you're stepping in a zone that people aren't necessarily comfortable with, um, because of they become so in. I think you're right. Like the mindset is so easy to. Um, I like to say it accumulates or it accretes, which is a process of basically having the same thing over and over again. You'll you'll mm-hmm. notice that that's how planets form. That's how um, that's how seashells form. Um, the the minerals are being deposited over and over and over and over and over, and eventually you have this thick structure that's very hard to penetrate, and uh, it's it's sort of like that with with the education system. And I think that one thing I will say is um, I'm what um, all of my writing is underneath a genre. I don't know if I created it, but uh, I've coined it uh, cosmic optimism, nice. which is that I, I don't I do believe that. Um, like when you look around you and you see society, like the, most of the buildings are standing, right? Um, a lot of people are, are minding their own business. And I think that fundamentally, this is all a sign that in general, people are good. Um, uh, people, can, people disagree all the time. I think that the reason why war and death and all that stuff is so shocking to us is because it's not actually, it's not normal per se. Um, it's not the baseline. I think most people want to live in peace. And I think that our desire to live in peace can sometimes be taken advantage of by uh, larger systems like state systems, like governments, like profit systems, like capitalism and those things of that nature. But um, I remember reading something that I was talking about when the Nazis were uh, being interrogated during the, the trials after the war. And a lot of them were, none of them were evil men uh, per se. They were, they were all people who felt like they were just doing their job, that they were listening to the people above them, that they couldn't really say no. Um, They were under the pressures of the organization they were in. Uh, That's not to absolve them from their crimes, but um, they write about something called the mundanity of evil, which is that it's not like some evil, maniacal uh, thing that's happening. It's just a natural flow of incentive of, of, uh, of structures. And when people get caught up in that, uh, I think it's a lot of necessity. It's a lot of old habits. It's a lot of, um, you know, you talk to these guys, especially in agriculture and stuff. There was a huge thing a few years ago because, you know, I'm a vegan. I've been a vegan since 2015 and it wasn't normal back then. Um, It's it's definitely opened up a lot of doors. Uh, The world has changed greatly. Um, It's perspective towards that kind of thing. But early on and maybe even still to this day, a lot of the old guard they're, they're reluctant to change because uh, that's, not, that's not what they know. To them, it's some kind of, um, uh, excuse my French, it's a- uh, <laughs> Say what you want, that's why it's a show. Roger that. It's a bastardization of, of what they know. And so for them, when, after some time, you, you begin to identify yourself with your experiences and it, it becomes an attack on your, on your personality. It feels like, Oh, like, what do you, what do you mean? Like eating meat is wrong. Like I've eaten meat my entire life. My, my family eats meat. And it's not necessarily about the moral, ethical, the, the nutritional or anything like that. It's just, it, it's become a part of us. So 
um, I've, I've experienced similar things because I've had friends and stuff who, who just who want to uh, introduce alternative education to their children, you know, grounding, meditation, et cetera. And early on, you know, they were getting pushback from professionals, from other people, because it wasn't studied in the traditional sense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, the schools are, are the way they are because they're, you know, the, the establishment says that this is how it's supposed to be. And that's how I grew up. I grew up in that system. So I'm going to put my kids in that system. And anyone who does otherwise is almost like saying that the way that I grew up was wrong. And a lot of people don't like to admit that, but I think that um, like the proof in the, in the pudding, the kind of the nail in the coffin to me is when I meet people like you, you know, um, who, who are out there and want to do this, um, regardless of how difficult it may seem, how far away it may seem. I know that the world can't be all evil, right? Because I met good people. And a lot of the people I meet have some, they have some, if when you get down to it, you, you talk to them, they have some greater ambition. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, like attracts like, um, but uh, at, I, I see so much, uh, I see so much hope and so much uh, desire for better and willingness to work towards it that I can't help but be optimistic. I think that that's just the best way to go about, um, to, if, if I want to participate, if I want to play, and I want to keep it, uh, I guess, keep my spirits up. Then I have to, I have to believe that there is good, that things are arching upwards. And that's why I aim so high, you know, when I say things like astrobotany and uh, so, you know, uh, uh, orbital gardening, like these things are, are hopeful dreams, uh, you know, that we should be setting our eyes on the horizon, that we should be fixing the problems that we have. Because the only way that we're going to get something like this is if we work together, you know, um, we have to be, I always say in all of the, the future space movies that you see, Earth is united as yeah. one. We're all on the same page. Right. You know, we, everyone is still distinct and we still have our culture, but we are at that point in time in this utopia, you know, and we're all working together, you know, to, to reach the, the, the far ends of, of space. And we still have problems. That's one thing I like, and I, I always point out to people, is uh, every utopia that we we build, even in fantasy, there's always problems still because that's not the point. Like the point is not to eliminate problems, right? It's to just seek higher problems to to end to end up in a place where we're fighting for something greater than what we're fighting for now. We shouldn't be fighting over land and property and stuff like that. We should be fighting for. How can we feed everybody? How can we create beautiful testaments to, to our ability to create? Like, how can we, you know, live out our philosophy, our ideals? Kind of like, uh, how do you use nature for what it's giving you naturally? Mm-hmm. You know, like nature is giving you food without you. Get rid of the animals. You're still going to give you food. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I say, when I when I think about, the way this country is run if you have like all of these uh, other countries they are banning most of the stuff we eat here mm-hmm. so to me we're already on the wrong track and therefore it becomes for profit not for the world it's not for us to be here when they keep talking about the georgia guidestones and you know they want 500 million and that's it they're you know oh we got to get rid of six billion people well, they're already doing that through, through this method. And ironically, I feel like 
I'm not a vegan. I know that you and Eric bonded um, or connected through veganism. I spoke to him recently about about you and um, I'm not vegan, but I also have allergies. So it's not about a mm -hmm. choice. You know, it's just a matter of my body is does what it does. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think creating this famine, when you say, okay, we're going to get rid of chickens, chickens lay eggs, eggs are made for baked goods, baked goods. Oh, wait a second. So now you're putting out all these industries, then they're burning down Safeways and the, and Safeway bought Kroger or Kroger brought, bought Safeway, however, which mm -hmm. way it went. And now you're creating a monopoly, right? And then that's controlled. And then you get rid of these cows. Well, in a way, you're kind of ushering in veganism mm -hmm. because what's going to be left? But they're not getting rid of sugar. Mm -hmm. They're not getting rid of the chemicals. No. They're not getting rid of GMO. So to me, it's not a conspiracy when it's obvious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like you said, I, I appreciate what you said that, you know, I don't mind being called crazy. Most of my life, it's I've been called a weirdo. So <laughs> um, it's okay, you know? Like, I see what I see. And I think because mm -hmm. I don't look through, well, my glasses are like this because of the light. But, mm -hmm. um, but I don't look at things through what, the presentation is i look at things through what's felt through my through me mm -hmm. um, that. yeah you know and um i think that that's you know like if i go to new zealand and i sit off somewhere i've never been before and i'm looking at the same type of mountains that i see out here but they're mm -hmm. green like real green just like when i went to white it was like real green then i sit there and see how clean the water is that told me right there wow here I am in New Zealand. They have beautiful waterfalls. Everything looks clean over here. It smells different. That means mm -hmm. it's possible. They're doing it. Mm -hmm. And ain't yeah. nobody dead, starving, you know, wars over there. Mm -hmm. But but the but the process here is chaos and fear and mongrelism and it's a control mechanism. Mm -hmm. And until people lose. Because this is this is a funny thing I said, and this is to like people that I life coach to. <laughs> I said, if you have any bigoted bone in your body, prejudice bone in your body, we all have prejudices, right? Mm -hmm. But when it really comes down to it, we'll fight each other, kill each other over the way we look, over the way our clothes are, the car we have. Uh, we'll call each other pieces of shit over having a, a Toyota Corolla versus, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a Porsche. You know, we we put each other down about where we live. Mm -hmm. We'll pass each other up knowing that the person's hungry, but they're not a bad person. They're just bad, you know, having down on their luck. Mm -hmm. But but guarantee you. Those entities that I, I believe that are in, in, in uh, inside inner earth. This is the crazy mm -hmm. me. The entities that are sitting above us, uh, because I still believe we're encapsulated in water. Mm -hmm. um, I believe space is water. That's why I was interested in what you said, because I was like, well, if people actually thought about it, you know, this is all water. Mm -hmm. You can grow anything. Energy, thorium is invisible. It's right in front of us. It's everywhere. It's free. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to have it free. So when I started thinking about what you said, and I th thought about the things I know, I was like, yeah, we can have plants everywhere. Mm -hmm. But but the, the crazy thing is they don't want that. They want everybody 
to be enslaved mentally to not mm -hmm. believe that these things are possible. And all these people that are talking about, hey, there's a giant, we've seen giants. Why would they end up dead? <laughs> Unless they were on to something, mm -hmm. you know? And they had to be stopped. Yeah, because now you're giving in free thought. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. You know, that's what I try to do. I've had students tell me that, oh, they're going to kill you one day because you, you know, you know, too <laughs> you much. know too much. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I think it's the truth like that, that the system, you know, like I said, you can, you go to New Zealand or Switzerland or whatever, and you say, oh, there's protected lands. So we could protect the land, mm -hmm. you know, the same way you can go, oh, we're mandating this shot. You should be able to say, okay, well, we're mandating that. Uh, like how China says, oh, you have to control the, the control mechanism of having kids. Mm -hmm. Well, then we can have the control mechanism of food mm -hmm. so that people aren't over consuming. But this is a consumption world as far as I'll say in the United States anyways, but mm -hmm. um, it's about consumption. It's about the capitalism is all about consumption and overconsumption, and it's not being recycled. It's not being okay. I saw this thing on the news and it was talking about how uh, microbes will eat plastic and then they're going to turn that plastic into something that we can eat. Mm -hmm. Why the hell would I eat something that's <laughs> like eating that. plastic? Yeah. I don't care <laughs> when it shits it out and it turns into, you know, jello. Meal. Yeah, dude. I'm, it's <laughs> like, what? And mm -hmm. they try to sell you this early. Mm-hmm. Instead of just stopping the bullshit that they're doing, like, why do I need to eat something that's plastic? Like, think about it. Okay, everybody can't go to work. We're going to give you this shot. Everybody's going to be a robot and stay in the house for two years, right? Mm -hmm. But in two years, did they decide to say how much plastic waste went down? Or did the plastic waste go up because we were stuck at the house? <laughs> Probably right? went up. Exactly. And then here's another crazy thing. When we're stuck in the house, nature went back to the way it was. All these mm -hmm. animals were coming out, plants were growing again, right? Because mm -hmm. we didn't, did nature don't need us. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I teach just I teach people this all the time. You get rid of ants, you get rid of us. You get rid of bees, you get rid of us. So that means we don't need to be here. <laughs> we should be like appreciative that we yeah. are here, and 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 make earth flourish you know mm -hmm. um if it's a matter of well we can't be cutting down all these trees then don't cut down all these trees mm -hmm. but then we won't be able to have no you will be able to have you have what you need you don't mm -hmm. need all this other stuff but like i said we won't survive because this system was built off of consumption yeah absolutely it's interesting though one thing I want to mention and kind of playing a little bit of devil's advocate, because I've been studying, uh, you know, as a cosmic optimist, I'm, I'm constantly also observing the opposite. Um, okay. And I notice the, the gentlemen, uh, Malthusians, the people who uh, did things like the Georgia Guidestones, right? And uh, they're talking about eradicating most of humanity. Um, they kind of argue that from the same uh, philosophical standpoint, or a similar one, that um, humanity doesn't doesn't need to be here, mm -hmm. that um, in order to sustain human life, they have to reduce it. 
um, and they have to control the population uh, in order to prevent us because in the aggregate, you know, like it's, it's one of those things. I remember I had a conversation with a, a young lady who she said something like, well, most people recycle. And I was like, wait, 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 what, what? You know, I had to stop for a second. And, you know, I, I've, I went to college. I was lucky to go to college when I was in my 20s after spending some time in the military. Um, and some of these people that were around me had like, you know, they never really left home. Um, they were uh, much younger. You know, the, those those four or five years, they make up a lot of difference, you know, when you're talking about 19, 20 year olds. And uh, a lot of people's perspective is kind of uh, jaded by their surroundings right they think the world is a different way based on the people that they they know they think mm. that that is a representation of the entire population of earth and uh it, it is true that uh, there are a lot of people who don't care about the environment uh, at least not enough to make a difference in this the incentives to um you know get in your car and drive um when you know you probably do better for the environment if you work from home right but the it's not the job that you want per se right mm. or the 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 food that we eat um it's difficult to make the switch especially if you've been raised eating you know junk food out of a box out of plastic bags your whole life um and then you ask them to completely change over to a much more work intensive uh constantly cooking kind of uh deal not everybody has that they don't have the necessarily the cognitive space to, to make that switch because of the demands of their life. And so when you add, when you compound that over and over and over and over and over again, you get massive mountains of plastic bottles in India. You know, it's like it's a secondary consequences. It's not necessarily malicious. And but the people who, in my opinion, I, I do believe the dark ecologists are their Malthusian, their they're misanthropic. They, 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 they hate humanity secretly and they want to reduce the population. They, they truly believe, like I remember when uh, during COVID, there was a, a bunch of posts saying stuff like the earth is healing, right? Because yeah, we were so all locked saying, inside. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, the earth was, was like almost saying, thank you. Yeah, and you know, you know like, I get, thank you I for get getting that. Out. I get that, but at the same time, a million people died, you know, so. Uh, allegedly, you know, we'll <laughs> right? But yeah. the point, the I point don't is, think I, yeah. <laughs> the overall concept is kind of it's a difficult one when you when you start to compare and contrast them. It's like, and that's that's why I think like uh, ambitious, uh, positive, positivist ideas like um, the orbital gardening need to go in tandem with you know getting back in touch with nature and kind of seeking higher things because the other alternative. Right. And I think that humans were not just humanity, but they say water goes down the easiest path. Right. And if you were looking at our problem from a purely utilitarian standpoint, the one of the solutions would be, well, the less people there are, the less pollution there is, the more we can eat organic, the more our, our you know, we, we don't poison the water as much, the other species won't be as affected by our population by our disturbance we could isolate ourselves in a small population on the earth and let the rest of the earth repopulate and then once humanity reaches a, a big uh, population again then we'll just cut it back down you know we can do this process an infinite amount of times that might be you know that's not my belief per se but that's what someone might think right and that's a more um that's an easier solution to pull off than to actually fix 
the system to sustain all of these people, to get everybody on the same page. Um, people might think it's easier to just kill, to just kill as many people as possible. But and, they're doing uh, that. <laughs> exactly. But that's what I mean, right? So when you, like, the logic that we, we put together, it points to that being a viable solution. And the people who are in power, and that's why I, I, I don't necessarily believe people are, are, um, are evil. I think that a lot of times, and on the most part, people are looking at things from a rational standpoint. And if the same conclusion that everybody's coming to is the human race is causing irreparable damage mm -hmm. to the planet, and, get rid and, and we can't convince them so far, we have not been able to convince everybody that there are other ways to fix the problem. There are people like you, people like me, who have that goal, have that dream, and we, we push for it, right? But there are also people on the other side who have the same, they have the same understanding of the situation as we do. But, but they don't want to work at it. They, they think that if we waste time trying to convince people that we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose more than we're able to save. Yeah, so, but they're not looking at the fact that they created the problem. You see, well, because because here, we all created the problem. Well, here's well, you create the problem based off of what you're allowed to have. So, like, if you if you raise your kids and I raise my kids, and say you grow gardens in your house, and you're doing all the right things and you're teaching them about nature, I teach my kids about physiology and nature and what have you, right? Then uh, I write a book about it. You write a book about it. You become mega rich. Your kids are not going to know the difference if they're driving in a limo every day because they don't know that their friends don't have a limo because this is their lifestyle, right? So if you if you grow up and then if I say, well, yeah, my kids can have a limo too because my book's sold, but I'm choosing to show them how to ride a bike, right? Mm -hmm. The difference is not it's what's permissible. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say this is because I don't know if you believe in aliens, but... I think we are, but um, when it comes to, there's too much evidence that when we went to shoot off a nuclear rocket, something came out of nowhere and then shot it down. Mm -hmm. We don't have that technology. Something else did, right? So something out, out there is trying to keep us from destroying ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we're too stupid to figure out, oh, maybe we should pay attention to this. Instead, yeah. Um, what I learned was the population of Earth, everyone stood hand uh, side by side, holding hands, like hands across mm -hmm. America type of thing. We would all fit in, in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, to me, think about the whole rest of the world. If the rest mm -hmm. of the world was all animals and we were just in this prison, like we were with COVID, and we mm -hmm. all lived in Texas, and we all had to like, like look around and say, can we eat like a third world country? Can mm -hmm. we eat? You have, we're in Texas. You have 49 other states and seven other con or six other continents that mm -hmm. can grow and, and, and can be uh, done the right way. Mm -hmm. So now if you spread everybody out throughout the United States, like people are in uh, China, so they're overrun, they're overpopulated. Mm -hmm. So they say you can only have two kids. You can only have one boy. 
you go to another country. So now you have India. Now they're becoming the one that's going to be overpopulated. And we're the ones dumping our trash there. So mm-hmm. those people are growing up with the the diseases that spread because of the polluted water and because of mm-hmm. the things. So those people with the Georgia Guidestones are the ones to me that are living selfishly to say, do as thou wilt. And, you know, um, if we don't want this to be this way, then we'll just get rid of these people. But mm-hmm. how are we gonna how are we gonna get everybody to agree to let us kill some people? Mm-hmm. Oh well, in the name of science. Mm-hmm. And how do we do this? Well, let's make it it has to maintain itself. It has to be mm-hmm. cyclical. So how do we do that? Disease. How do we introduce that? Food. Now we have doctors. They give them medication. That shortens their lifespan. You create uh, weather uh, anomalies. We can make rain. We can also make tornadoes. Everything keeps getting worse. Why? Because then it slowly and it, it allows people to to digest mm-hmm. the idea that, well, cancer is just part of life. Mm-hmm. No. Cancer is killed with oxygen. So what are we doing? Oh, well, wait a second. So it is a business? <laughs> Diabetes. So I can go to try to figure out a colony on on Mars that doesn't have an electromagnetic field, by the way, to protect us, but we can't stop diabetes. Oh, well, <laughs> because then we would have to admit that we shouldn't have sugar. Mm-hmm. Wait, you can't do that. <laughs> we, you, do you realize you're stopping the number one industry? That's like mm-hmm. saying, don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> well, 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 you know how much money that is? Mm-hmm. Billions, right? So you know when you when you think about like what was I reading? It was something that said seventy four billion dollars a year is made. Oh, jails, mm-hmm. and you have prisons, and seventy four billion consistently. Don't Still you money. think you're? Don't you think <laughs> you're going to say, "Oh, we need inmates"? Mm-hmm. Well, who's not going to fall for that? The white man. So who are you going to put in the jail? The ones that don't have money. How do you do that? Create imbalance. How do you create imbalance? Just what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. People that starve them. And guess what? There's going to be people that sink and there's going to be people that swim. How do you you sell that rationale? Oh, Darwin. (laughs) Evolution. Do you see what I'm saying? But Mm -hmm. was, was it just evolution? If that was the case, you wouldn't have dolphins trying to save another dolphin and kill a shark. You would go, bro, the shark's got to eat. That's just your cousin over there. Let him get eaten, mm-hmm. man. That cycle. No, mm-hmm. there, there's enough space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the way you're fed. It's the way you're fed this stuff to say, mm-hmm. you know, I get um, like passionate yeah, it's, it, it's, so. can't sit there going, oh, well, let's have organic. Well, here's my theory. How can it be organic if the air is polluted? <laughs> can't be. Right. If you have acid rain, unless you're creating your own water that you're feeding these plants, it's still going to be tainted. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's semi-organic. There's nothing here unless it's built in a greenhouse that there's mm-hmm. protected from the outer el- elements. So... I was curious for you, like when you say astrobotany, so putting it in in space keeps it away from pollution. Is that part of your 
your thesis or? 100%. Like, okay. um, controlled environments. Uh, one of the best things about actually um, the microgreens, which we hadn't gotten to yet, um, was the fact that they grow so quickly um, that essentially you can get to the uh, a finished product, you can get to produce um, in a speed that would prevent the accumulation of radiation, of, of disease, of all the different things that accumulate in normal um, uh, plant growth. Uh, so the environment will be completely controlled. The nutrition is already built in because all the nutrition comes from the seeds that are actually in the microgreens. So you don't actually have to inject um, you know, nitrogen and other elements into like a system like you would normally with hydroponics um, or aquaponics. Uh, so basically it's like a self-contained system. It would be completely um, protected from contaminants, environmental contaminants. Um, of course, in space, uh, in these environments, they would, the atmosphere would be completely controlled. So there'd be no contaminants whatsoever in the air. Um, the water would be purified. So um, the, the, the greens that we would grow in space would probably be some of the cleanest uh, things in the history of mankind. That's, of course, theoretically, you know, the reality of things might be a little different. Uh, whatever happens in transport, um, how long will we... Like we, there are things that are required to make this a reality. Um, one of the things that Elon Musk and other engineers are working on, uh, at least conceptually, is the space elevator, which fundamentally removes the need to launch things uh, using rocket fuel. Um, instead, it would basically be like a giant. Um, what's like it propulsion. Does, describe. Yeah, like propulsion, and you, it would be a like a train, but a train that goes straight up. And is connected to the, uh, the 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 depot up top. Yeah, so we could just send supplies up and bring stuff down. So you grow the greens up in orbit and then bring them down and take uh, the seeds back up, basically um, for a fraction of the cost of of actually building rockets and sending ships up and all the waste that comes down. But you know, all that that that's all infrastructural stuff that that they're still developing, but conceptually. Yeah, it would it would basically alleviate all the problems that we have with um, with soil degradation, with environmental contaminants, because the environments would be completely cl uh, closed in. They'd be closed systems. Um, so the only thing that the only uh, variable would be the the people that are going up and down to work in these greenhouses in space. Now, I think like um, okay, so I think you can do that with nuclear because it's just. Uh, short booms that are going to propel it to go up mm -hmm. or, or uh, fi uh, fission, I guess. Uh, yeah. Right. But um, on the topic of the microgreens, okay, so this guy, his thing is about earth made greens and he talks about microgreens. And I met him at the farmer's market in uh, Malibu. He was showing me that the baby sprouts have more nutrients than the full-grown ones yeah that and, makes perfect sense and so i was telling them it's kind of like um how you have a uh a rattlesnake and it's a baby one their venom is 10 times stronger than the big rattlesnake <laughs> you know yeah yeah um so he was like yeah 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 that's you know you, you're onto it and i was like yeah i was tr trying to like understand him and um, so he was showing me how they grind it up and then, you know, you have the powder. 
-hmm. And he's like, you could just bite, you know, break this off and eat it. And you're going to, you know, have your system feeling better. So I told him, I said, convincing people won't be that hard because people already eat, eat vegetables. Mm -hmm. What happens is we need, um, as usual, a celebrity endorser mm -hmm. <laughs> to make people follow the train, which is sad because that celebrity endorser is getting paid to lie to you, to tell you something versus someone that you should be able to see that it was like in horrible health. And then you're looking at them later and going, you know, I, I, I filmed this person over three months and they ate microgreens mm -hmm. and look at this. It's not a scam. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Versus, Hey, look at me. <laughs> I do, microgreens. I, yeah. Micro. And then you see me eating a in and out, you yeah. know, right after. Hypocrisy. Right. I know? think it's interesting. Uh, we, we do live in a good time for the spreading of ideas I mean, just look at us here, right? Like we're having this discussion uh, across the across the ocean, and uh, there are things like uh, TikTok now, which uh, the kids are, are addicted to. And not just the kids, honestly, but you'll see that now an idea can take hold and spread like very, very quickly. You know, all you have to do is get that information out there to enough people and the right people, people who are already involved in the health food space and stuff like that. So. You know, uh, the celebrity endorsement, the hypocrisy is still there, especially uh, Kim Kardashian and her <laughs> fake eat, pretending to eat vegan burgers. That was, that was yeah, pretty right. funny. But yeah. um, I think that the world is changing in a positive way. I, like I said, I'm, I'm always optimistic. I'm always going to bring that that bend to it. And I think that the, there are downsides to the, the tech that, that people have now, but uh, social media also has a huge potential for us. Like even now, like Dr. Sebi's teachings, you know, uh, people's understanding of physiology, um, kind of herbal medicine, all that stuff is exploding in the, the collective consciousness because it's available. Like the, the, it's like a perfect interlap between, uh, or overlap between um, uh, effectiveness and availability. Like anybody can start introducing, you know, herbs and, healthy food into their diet um so as soon as you get the you hear it uh microgreens 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 you hear it a couple of times yeah. and you're like you know what you see it at the store and you say oh, i'm gonna go ahead and try that right and right then your life is is being changed uh one interesting thing that you mentioned uh, i wanted to touch on a little bit was about um the the plant growth cycle right um when a, when a plant is young it's basically got a stockpile of nutrients, right? Because then those nutrients are meant to take it to its full growth potential. Mm -hmm. So when you get a larger plant, a lot of the plants that we, we harvest, you know, they're already adults. And what we're actually harvesting is the children the, 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 during their reproductive phase. You know, they're putting all their energy into those children. By kind of stopping that process at the, at the lower growth stage, it hasn't had the chance to use its own nutrients yet from the seed. Um, so it's a, uh, it's brilliant. It's, it's actually remarkable that um, I actually did a little research before the call um, that this was only recently discovered, at least as far as I know um, in the eighties was when it was first uh, began to be, and it was a complete accident. The, the guy had asked his, uh, his supplier for baby greens and the guy did it completely wrong because he didn't know what to do. And oh. he brought him, he brought him the microgreens, and 
he's like, what am, where are my greens? And he's like, this is what I, you said, baby greens. And he was like, okay. So he just, he, he took it and he served it in a salad because he owned a restaurant. And it just so happened a food critic was there and was like, what is this? You know? And all because of the was, abundance of the uh, flavor. Right? Yeah. The flavor was crazy. And so the, the food critic was like, this is really good. <clears throat> and he, the guy said he made up the name on the spot. He just said, I called it microgreens. It's a new thing, right? Just to, you know, add some flair. And it went viral from there. Um, so it's very interesting that we just now realized that. And it makes me, um, the thing that I wanted to, to talk to with the guy, because, um, you know, when you're actually in the industry, you're always looking for uh, the next thing, you know, to kind of stay relevant, is uh, at least for, for other people like me who are theorists, who like to kind of look for the things that haven't been done yet. It's like, where, where else are there large stores of energy that could possibly be uh, utilized, you know, that we're not seeing because, you know, microgreens have existed, you know, since the beginning of time, but we're only now realizing how powerful, how nutritionally uh, abundant is. they are, how quick they grow, how, uh, you know, you don't have to actually, you don't have to use fertilizer to grow it because it's in the seed, right? It's, like, right. it's almost like common sense in retrospect, but, um, you know, we, we kind of stumbled upon it and it makes me uh excited uh, i love i love discovery i love to learn i love the fact that you know even this right here right the, the idea of microgreens when they were growing plants when astrobotany first started um when they first were trying to do it up in nasa they were having a really hard time because in order for a plant to get to its larger stages it has to move the water you know up and down the tissue and in gravity uh that's it's it's very difficult to do the further away you get from the planet and uh, with microgreens, there's no issue. They, they just recently, I think in 2019, they uh, grew some Mizuna um, mm. up in space and it, they, they ate a salad. They created a salad and ate it um, on the space station. And so uh, this is all stuff that, and it, it was just because of someone deciding, wait a minute, this could work. This could absolutely change things. So um, yeah, nope. that's, that's pretty much all I had on that. So thanks for your time right. and uh, thanks for coming on and, and your your infinite wisdom and, uh, you know, the <laughs> fact you. that you have an uh, open mind. Thank you, sir. Thank you for yeah. uh, allowing me the opportunity. It's been an excellent conversation. Yeah. This is Stories and Solutions. I'm Mr. Todd. We have our guest host, uh, Malaman, Super Malaman, excuse me. Thanks Take care. You too. Be easy. <laughs>